Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold Prime Elite Roomy Force Calf Cube. Maximize calf performance and health at grass by optimizing the function of the rumen. Welcome to the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme with John O'Connor. Later in the programme, amongst the many items covered, Jason Fleming, IFA Farm Forestry Chair, an update on the ash dieback situation. Senator Tim Lumbird on serial objectors and hoping that a new law may curtail the problem. Martin Merrick, Irish Farmers Journal, on TAM's applications. And a reminder, Bantry Show takes place on Sunday. But first, Pauline O'Driscoll, Dairy Advisor, Chagas Gibberine. Pauline, welcome to the programme. Now, before we start our main topic, are there any updates or events you want to publicise? Yes, hello, John, and hello to the listeners. Um, an upcoming event, all right, which is going to be held on Monday, the 21st of August, a monitor farm walk, which will take place, as I say, on Monday, the 21st of August, on the farm of Connor Maloney, Boxtown, Kilburton, air code P72FX00. So that's a monitor farm walk. Um, which commences at 11am on the farm of Conor Maloney, the 21st of August at 11am. And just a reminder, the air code again, P72FX00. So everybody is welcome to, to that event. So um, please attend, would be great. Also to mention as well to listeners, I suppose, is about upcoming part-time Green Start course for 2023. Chagas Cork West in partnership with Clonacilty Agricultural College are offering, you know, a local part-time Green Start course. This is going to start commencing now this autumn in September. The course is open to 23-year-olds and above who have, you know, a link to agriculture. It will operate over a two-year period. Um, So I suppose just to put it out there to listeners for further information, if you wish to express an interest in the course, if you wish to have any queries, please contact Pat Flannery who is our education officer based in McCroom office at 026-41604 and or can get in contact with Clonacilty Agricultural College directly. You will be joined on, on Saturday um, next, the 26th of August, by Pat Flannery and he will outline and give listeners a comprehensive outline, I suppose, of the course and what's involved. So if you, any family members or colleagues you feel might be interested, just to remind people and whatever and be sure to tune in. To, to that show. That sounds fine. That's great. Always of great interest to education and part-time education where busy farmers, the younger farmers, I suppose in particular, can get uh, qualifications, the Green Cert being great. Now, just uh, looking at our general uh, conversation, speaking to Miss Pauline O'Driscoll, Dairy Advisor, Chagaskin Skibbereen. Uh, Pauline, uh, speaking now, the second half of August, as it were, we've had a lot of um, wet and uh, challenging weather uh, this summer and the farmers find themselves in many cases uh, in fact only recently getting in uh, second cuts of silage and trying to manage grass and trying to build up grass. Could you please outline in general terms, outline what appears to be the situation on the ground in relation to grass and growth rates at farm level as we go into, as we pass the second half of August? Well, yes, I suppose certainly um, we need no reminders whatsoever when we mention wet weather and think of wet weather and rainfall and the difficulties and challenges that comes with it, you know, in every aspect in terms of the growth, trying to, you know, carry out grazing, fertiliser, get out there with fertiliser and slurry applications. You know, we've come out of a very wet July and no doubt, and you know, even into August, remaining a bit difficult and challenging. So, 
Probably. Um, I, I would say, yeah, a huge challenge has been this year and this July and into August, as I say, is getting in the second cut of silage for, for farmers. I mean, when, when I look locally, look at met air and rainfall figures for the Skibbereen area, which is based off Sharkin Island here, the average rainfall for July down here recorded was 120 millimetres. Like, to put it into perspective, I suppose it compares to when we got 33 millimetres and 49 millimetres in the years 2022 and 21. But, like, we're not alone. for Moy um, recorded 150 millimetres in July 23 versus 34 millimetres in July 22. And other extremes that are out there, Attenray Galway, 224 millimetres in July 23 and 66 millimetres in July 22. So huge, as we too well know, um, increases in rainfall. And so it has made things very difficult. There's no doubt about it. I suppose, again, like just those figures, I'm saying they are figures recorded at the stations. Um, There's been many areas and many farms have received a lot more rainfall. And, you know, I suppose, you know, really experienced heavy and extreme downpours. So like in terms of, you know, what it has done. Um, definitely, we've had some lower than normal growth rates for many time for many farmers for this time of the year. And ultimately, then I suppose we've had kind of little enough and limited opportunities for farmers maybe to take out any surplus bales, you know, going into the autumn and indeed for next spring, you know, which will be wanted for buffer feeding. And, you know, another spin-off of it is just there's been little enough opportunity for paddock correction as a result um, thinking and talking, I suppose, yeah, um, whilst farmers and, and you know did get um, mixed opportunities, some farmers did get chances, as limited as they were, to kind of grab or almost snatch second cuts done. There's also a significant amount of lads that literally only got their cuts in this week now. Down this neck of the woods in Skibbereen area, I suppose, there was opportunities Wednesday through to Thursday of this week, you know, but... I suppose the big thing here, which we all know, again, it'll bring its own challenges for farmers due to late, you know, very late aftergrass becoming available for young stock, replacement stock, and unfortunately as well for the cows if silage ground is on the milking platform. I suppose, like, to a fair enough comment and thing to say, we've been caught and struggling here as a result of the weather. And these figures, like looking at the pasture base, to put it into perspective again, growth rates the past week have been however recorded at an average of 60 demand of 51 and farmers are on average feeding 3.2 kilos of meal with a stocking rate of 3.4 then so really i suppose we've high enough stocking rates still on average across you know farmers being recorded on pasture base but for what we all know and what we want what we need is to get you know some drier weather warmer weather sunshine to try to get maximum growth now and best use of fertiliser that we are and will be applying now. So hopefully we'll get that and we'll get the opportunity, you know, for grass and covers, you know, to, to build on farm from here on in. And Pauline, can you outline to your listeners, um, you know, at this point, can you kindly outline to your listeners some reminders and targets that farmers should be keeping in mind and uh, you know, aiming towards in respect of grassland management matters at this point? Yeah, I suppose with, with targets and things, certainly, um, like, yeah, there's, there's, there's a full range. It's like, you know, because of the mixed variation of what's out there at farm level, but I suppose to, to comment on it, uh, on it, I suppose I'll go back to mention again where things are recorded on pasture base. Like, 
Again, we know these are average figures for farmers, so it's like anything, there's going to be a big range and variation from farm to farm and from, you know, one neighbour to the next and from regions and areas, no doubt about it. But if, if I look at the pasture base again, just to comment on that, the latest update from the grass 10, the average farm cover recorded stands at 795 kilograms dry matter per hectare. The recorded growth rate for the past week was 60. So the pre-grazing yield was up at 17.50, which, to be honest, ideally is too high for the time of year. But again, like I think it's possibly down to the fact that there has been We'll say maybe recent spurts of growth in some paddocks. Some paddocks not grazed out as good or as like farmers would have liked them to have been grazed out in previous rotations. So there's a bit of a bush or a build-up of grass. And like again, farmers were unable to correct these or take these paddocks out because of recent weather and kind of like ended up going into them and grazing them, you know. Um, but like taking figures in and looking off it, you know, where demand is, Okay, pasture base again is indicating, which I mentioned there, the 51, uh, you know, kilograms dry matter with an average stocking rate of approximately 3.4 livestock units, right? So, again, like some farmers are going to be stocked lower than this, obviously, but some a lot higher, and I suppose some are up in excess of four livestock units. So, demand, you know, are, are on these farms are well in excess of where growth rates are, so, like, there's no doubt about it that. Some of these farms until the aftergrass comes in, which is going to be, you know, some time away, unfortunately, for some people like farmers have had to be feeding four or five kilos of ration. And unfortunately, I suppose, like, you know, for, for the past couple of weeks and stuff at higher stocking rates and some will possibly have to continue with this for a while. So, again, it's like it's so farm specific and, and you have that variation, I would say, like, you know, I suppose you should know for most, to be honest with you, is try to get your head around and refocus and put in place a bit of a plan again like it comes around every year and it's the same story every year and we'll come from very different places and stuff every year because if it's we've come from west now another year we come from drought right so we need to start trying to build up the grass covers that's great altogether thank you very much indeed Miss Pauline O'Driscoll Dairy Advisor Chagask in Skibbereen thank you very much indeed Pauline thanks a million thank you John the chairperson of the ICMSA's Livestock Committee Mr Des Morrison has complained that what he's called the already mystifying gap between Irish and UK beef prices has widened yet again Mr Morrison said no one, least of all the factories themselves, had been able to produce any kind of coherent reason why such a gap had opened up since the ICMSA had pointed this out early in July of this year. But far from the gap closing, the chairperson of the Livestock Committee, ICMSA, said that the gap had widened again and now stood as an astonishing 60 cents per kg for standard R3 cattle. Mr Morrison said it's vital that we all grasp that these are official figures. These are the figures according to Board Beer. Part of a long statement there from the chairperson of the ICMSA's Livestock Committee, Mr Des Morrison. Meanwhile, the Irish Cattle and Chief Farmer Association, National Beef Chair, Mr Edwin Graham, said there'd be no need for any scheme to reduce cattle numbers if the meat industry continues what he calls their onslaught on beef prices. Mr Graham said the price cuts we've seen since April are too much to bear for most beef farmers. It's an exit scheme in everything but name because the farmers are being left with no choice but to get out anyway. Mr Graham said unless the meat industry reverses these cuts there'll be zero incentive for farmers to feed cattle this winter. 
Last winter, he said, Chagas said prices would have to hit six euro kg in the spring to cover inflated production costs. Mr Graham said, we now know that prices did not even come close to that six euro kg figure and that steers were peaking at around five euro 25 cents a kg in April and falling since. Mr Edmund Graham said, no beef farmer can afford a carbon copy of that come next spring. Part of a very long statement there from the ICSA National Beef Chair, Mr Edmund Graham. IFA Rural Development Chairman Mr Michael Biggins has acknowledged the increase in the budget allocation to the National Liming Programme and commitments made from the government that the budgets would be reviewed again if needed. The IFA Rural Development Chair Michael Biggins points out that the Minister for Agriculture, Food and the Marine Sean McConnell announced at the Tullamore Show and at the FBD National Livestock Show that the budget would double to €16 million, Euro, with eligible farmers paid for up to 40 tonnes of lime, at a rate of €16 Euro a tonne. Bantry Agricultural Show goes ahead on Sunday, 20th of August. There will be an appearance by local Munster rugby stars, the brothers Finneen and Josh Wichley. They'll be making their guest appearance at the Bantry Show, and with them, the recently won Rugby Championship Cup, URC. Amongst the many topics covered in this week's edition of the Irish Farmers' Journal, Noel Barton writes that Ireland expects to submit an argument to the European Commission within the next fortnight, making the case for flexibility on a possible derogation stocking rate drop. The Minister of Agriculture, Food and Marines Commons are in the journal. Mr Barton points out that this submission has not yet been finalised, but the Minister, quote, is looking at the ideas put forward by farming organisations to improve water quality by means other than a drop from 250 kgs of nitrogen hectare to 220 kgs of nitrogen per hectare. And apparently, Mr McConnell said, we are going to work together to get extra flexibility. It's the Commission and other member states we have to put the case to and see if we can get some accommodation. In a journal survey, it's pointed out that three in five suckler farmers would be open to a government-funded scheme to reduce cow numbers. That's according to the latest Irish Farmers Journal survey. It's pointed out some 30% of the near 700 suckler farmers surveyed said they were definitely considerate, and a further 33% said that maybe they would consider it. Just 31% of suckler farmers gave a reduction scheme a hard no Interest was highest amongst older suckler farmers, with 66% of all those open to the scheme being older than 55 years of age. The ratio of suckler farmers' addresses was also higher in Collops and Leinster areas than it was in Munster and Ulster, the survey found. These findings come as dairy sector stakeholders continue to discuss proposals for a dairy reduction scheme and after farm organisations opposed a suckler package last year. The issue is covered in great detail by the deputy editor of the Irish Farmers Journal, Mr Adam Woods. And the journal points out some 68% of the 1,982 farmers surveyed by the journal said they would be open to joining a farm retirement scheme. 34% of farmers said they would definitely apply if such a scheme was available and a further 34% said they would, quote, maybe consider applying. The final 32% of the farmers surveyed gave a hard... 
the final 32% of the farmers surveyed gave a hard no to partaking in such a scheme. Interest in a farm retirement scheme was highest amongst sheep and tillage farmers, with 43% of the farmers surveyed from both sectors saying they would apply. Dairy farmers had the least interest in a scheme aimed at generational renewal for the farm sector, with 30% saying they would apply, while 33% and 34% of suckler farmers and cattle finishers said they would apply, respectively. With the first tranche of TAMS 3 now closed for nearly seven weeks, farmers who apply to the scheme have not yet been told whether they are accepted or not for the scheme. Farmers completing works cannot commence building until they've received official approval or they risk losing the grant aid altogether. The farm organisations say the silence from the department follows on from an extension of the closing date from 16th of June to 30th of June. That's despite announcing the scheme in February, the new Women's Farmers Capital Investment Scheme, WFCIS, only opened for applications on 21st of June. IFA Rural Development Chair Mr Michael Biggins has called on Minister O'Connell and the Department to clarify where farmers stand with their TAMS applications. Joining us on the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme, Mr Martin Merrick, Buildings Reporter with the Irish Farmers Journal and News Correspondent. First of all, Martin, welcome to the programme. Now, in the journal this week, a very important issue is raised. That's the concerns of uh, literally thousands of farmers regarding TAMS applications. What's the background to that article in the journal and what would farmers and the IFA and the farm organisations like to see done? Hi, John. Well, firstly, we say the TAMS 3 is the following on from TAMS 2, which is a very successful scheme. TAMS stands for Targeted Agricultural Modernization Scheme. So what it basically concerns is uh, with a grant rate of 40 and 60% for farmers for developing their farm, be it farm buildings, uh, extra slurry stores, some animal handling units and such like that. The issue what we're seeing, John, is, is that the scheme was opened this year in, I think, the first tranche opened in around March time and the final tranche closed then in on the 30th of June, we say the final applications for tranche one. What has happened is that they have delayed the, the closing of the, of the tranche one, so that was initially meant to be the 16th of June, but because they had the Women Farmer Capital Investment Scheme open at that point, they had to delay it. So the Women Farmer Capital Investment Scheme, which was a new scheme, part of CHAM, was going to be very popular with a 60% grant rate for, for women farmers and, and people working in partnerships with women farmers. That only had a 10-day window of application this year because it was only opened from the 21st of June to the 30th of June for tranche one. Now, all those schemes have opened again for tranche two, but what the issue is is that farmers are looking to, to start building works now while the weather is still relatively fine, while um, we say there is... Uh, you know, your longer days before stock get in into animal housing, they might want to retrofit new slats, extend out tanks and such. We also have to remember that there is a requirement for three weeks of soil water storage for all dairy farmers and those dealing with root crops this year. That's a requirement for this year. So farmers are anxious to get that work uh, underway and get their slurry storage and their soil water storage secured for the for the winter ahead. What can the department and what can the minister do to ease the problem or at least in some way address the anxiety of farmers who don't know where they stand vis-a-vis their application? 
Yeah, I think John Ree and the department need to speed up the process. They need to get out to farm, get right now to farmers and tell them either they've been accepted or they haven't been accepted. These farmers have plan permission already gotten. You have to have plan permission before you apply for your TAM grant. So they're ready to roll whenever they get the application, never get um, confirmation that they've been uh, been accepted. If they start work before they get the acceptance letter, they're at risk of losing their grant. So really, they just need to know, well, can they proceed with getting the grant, with that they're going to get the grant, and that's fine. Or if they're not going to get it, well, they just want to proceed anyway, possibly, and get that slurry storage or their soil water storage in place without the TAMS aid, because it is a requirement this year that they have the three weeks of soil water storage in place. So the real, what we'd really be looking for from the department is that they would uh, speed up the process of getting right, right now to farmers and tell them either they've been accepted or they haven't been for tranche one. Farm organisations, they really would appreciate a, a statement, some kind of clarification from the department about whether people are in or not. And if you're not accepted, well, then you'll consider your situation. And I see in the journal there you refer to the Women Farmers capital investment scheme as you were saying there like we're just looking for a clarification that either farmers have been accepted in, in tranche one and if they haven't been accepted well they can go away and complete their works without any TAMS aid or that they just even be able to apply under under tranche two which is currently open uh, regarding the women farmer capital investment scheme yes that is a, a new element of the TAMS it's a six percent grant rate there for a, a, a wide variety of works there's also another one there, the Farm Safety Capital Investment Scheme. And what we're hearing is that about 25% of the applications for uh, tranche one of the TAMs has been for the Farm Safety Capital Investment Scheme. So that's dealing primarily with animal handling units, uh, replacing the slats, extension of tanks to create uh, external agitation points and such. So, yeah, that's basically the gist of, of what, what both myself, the Farm Journal and uh, the farm organisation will be looking for is that just that the department get out to farmers sooner rather than later. That why the opportunity is there now with the finer weather we're seeing and we have the longer days and and stock are still outside. You know, it, it's very difficult for farmers to be extending tanks or replacing slats or, or even extending sheds or parlour work, anything like that when, when stock are, are, are inside. So while, the, while they're still outside, the opportunity is there for farmers to get that work underway and get then storage solutions secure for the winter 2023. And let's hope that um, our conversation reinforces the message being sent out, the plea virtually being sent out by the IFA and the farm organisations for the Minister of the Department to clarify the situation regarding applications. Has your application for TAMS been accepted or not? Thank you very much indeed, Mr Martin Merrick, Buildings Reporter and News Correspondent with the Irish Farmers Journal. Thank you very much indeed, Martin. Thanks a million. Thank you, John. You're very welcome. In June 2023, Minister of State with Responsibility for Forestry, Senator Pippa Hackett, announced the establishment of an independent review of the ash dieback support scheme. IFA National Farm Forestry Chair, Mr Jason Fleming, attended the August 15th meeting of the ash dieback review group. Jason, what was your message, the IFA message, to the review group when you met on August the 15th? On the ash dieback um we outlined, we outlined our concerns and uh, we're hoping that they'll take, I, I got through to them there in a second, but we hope, we hope that they take them on board. And I think the, re- the review, the, the findings of the review is going to come out on the 14th to 15th of um, September. And I think if, if we should be putting
pushing that, and hopefully we get we we get a few things across the line, and 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 the minister and the department and and, and take it to take them on board and and and, and implement them. Now, Jason, of course, this is a huge subject, and indeed at the meeting we have a long, long list of all of the points you put regarding the current ash dieback scheme. But in broad terms, if you had to pick a few of the more important measures which you'd welcome as regards uh, people getting some kind of recognition, the roadside ash trees. I suppose, firstly, um, i just deal with a few points on, on the plantations um, most of these trees are dying, if not dead. And what, we, what we're what we're looking for here is trying to get uh, trying to get these trees out ASAP. Uh, we can't be waiting for another six months or a year or two years down the line before we, uh, farmers get a license to get these trees out. Uh, for the simple fact is, um, if we get them out now, there might be there might, you, you might save us something for a bit of firewood or something. Uh, and secondly, farmers want to get to get back in, uh, even to, to to plant whatever whatever be it broadleaves or or, or, or like stick of spruce, or I suppose. A big one as well is some farmers that are looking at not replanting, and uh, as in that it's a special case that the, 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 this ash dieback came in, to, and the, the farmers planted in good faith. Ash dieback, the trees got affected by ash dieback, and they, they should be left. Um, it's a special circumstances as such that they should be left, bring that land back into agricultural use. We are calling for that as well. But to mention one or two, I suppose the twenty-year premium. Uh, these farmers deserve the leash they deserve the twenty year premium on top of uh, for for because the, the the I suppose what they have at the minute is worthless. So and uh, most of these plantations are going on fifteen twenty years old now. So I think it's a twenty year premium. And I suppose another big one for us as well. I if we, we, within within the I, the the security of on, on borders coming in with plants and stuff. We have a, we have a scenario where the like to the back beetle is, is in Scotland at the minute uh, and, and it's affecting. Uh, sick of spruce sites and it's in I think it's south of England as well it, it, it affected sick of spruce sites so we don't we we as as farmers do want to get the, the likes of the back beetle into this country and most of our plantations here as you know are sick of spruce and, uh, and there's a good percentage of them and if, if this back beetle gets into the country and, and especially the way ash dieback farmers are after being treated um, the whole forestry sector is, 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 is things are bad enough in the forestry as it is. But if, if this back back beating gets in, the game is over for forestry. Um, just on the roadside trees, I suppose there's there's a lot of talk on, on the roadside trees at the minute. Uh, we wrote to Minister Ryan, uh, which is the environmental minister and, and the housing minister, to I suppose to support farmers, support county councillors, or su- support local councils, uh, local county councils to, to support us as farmers to take down these trees. And I suppose. Our biggest fear here is um, that look there'll be an accident. The, the, these trees are unstable, and I suppose from a farmer's point of view, it's the cost of taking them down is the big problem. I mean, they're going into thousands and thousands of euros to take down a couple of trees, and the reason for that is that we you have to get a qualified tree surgeon in, and you have to get road management as well, and especially with power lines and so on. So I, w- I suppose the farmers, some farmers are are, are inclined to go at these trees ourselves for our chance of taking them down, but. What we're saying from a health and safety point of view, um, we are looking at, at, at getting a, a package here in place uh, with, with, with the ministers and I'm pushing the minister to get a, a, a package here that, that support councils to support us to take down the trees. So I would, I would be, what I would be urging is do, do not go, do not attack these trees on their own because of, from a health and safety point of view. Yeah. And 
all infected ash woodland must be eligible, you demand, for a 100% reconstitution grant, a premium paid for 20 years, and the replanted land and compensation for the financial loss incurred. And again, as you've already referred to more than once in our conversations over recent months, the replanting obligation is a key barrier, you point out, to farmers taking part in forestry, and that must be reviewed. Uh, the replanting is a massive one. Um, we have scenarios where, where, uh, where I suppose, on my own side, I'm from carrying myself, that, that dairy farmers, their mom and dad, their moms and dad are after planting maybe 30 years ago, and they're after clearing 35 years ago, and they're, they're clear filling a site now, and they want to bring maybe 10 or 15 acres back into rotation for, 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 dairy, for, for, for dairying, and they're, they're not left to do that. And I think that's wrong. I think most farmers are going to replant because it's going to cost too much to get the roots out. Um, it, it probably would pay dairy farmers to, to bring five or ten acres back into play, but most farmers aren't going to do that. And I think it's a big barrier as well to, 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 to farmers looking at forestry now that the replanting obligation. The, I mean, I suppose the big problem with forestry is the goalposts are changing on, 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 on a monthly, if not a yearly basis. We planted maybe, if you planted 30, 35, 30, 35 years ago, um, there was no such thing as carbon credits, no such thing as, as replanting, but farmers didn't look at it. Uh, and now, when you clear a fellow site, all these recommendations are coming in. We can't draw our carbon down. We've no, no facility to draw our carbon credits down. Um, the replanting obligation. No, and then, to make it worse than that, there's the, within the new programme, uh, there's, a, um, there's a 35%, 20% broad leaves recommendation. Uh, and it's not a recommendation, it's in. 20, 20% of broad leaves and 15% of biodiversity. That's 35% of any plantation that's unproductive, right, in a thickest spruce site. So, We'd say Johnny down the road, clear fed the site of 30 acres and he has to replant. He's replanting that, right, with no premium and he has to take back 35% of that ground as, un- as unproductive, which maybe prior to that, 90% of it or 95% of it was productive. So farmers have to be compensated for that. And what we're looking at there is an ecosystem services payment, which is a continuous payment for land if, effectively that we're giving over to the state. If we've 35% of land that's unproductive, we're not getting paid for it. So we have to be compensated as farmers. And Jason, that payment for ecosystem services, PES, uh, PES for short, you know, that yep. should be amended to pay farmers uh, to manage the land set aside for biodiversity enhancement yep. and broad yep. leaves. And the yep. PES rate should actually reflect it again. And I'm just repeating what you said earlier, but at the same time to drive home the point, you're saying, the IFA are saying, the PES rate should reflect the income foregone, the income lost, money lost from timber production, and it should be extended beyond the proposed seven years. And again, that's all part and parcel of a clarification you've called for, the IFA have called for, vis-a-vis the new forestry programme. Now, on the face of it, 1.3 billion euro funding for the overall forestry programme, the Commission's approval of million for the afforestation scheme but again an awful lot of clarification will be needed on this new forestry programme I, I suppose you just mentioned the, the, the 1.3 billion yeah that came out last November we're going out for the 1st of September shortly and we, we the, the, there's no access to the, we've, we us as farmers have no access to that 1.3 billion they came out last week or a week and a half ago with a 308 million package for the forestation part of it only they released that from Brussels but the problem we have there is that's only one part of it, right? We need clarification about where is the rest of the 1.3, where is the 1.3 billion, where is the remainder of the money here? And there's no clarification around that. Politicians have been on to me, TDs and ministers, I, I, I've been on to them, and there's still no one can answer 
uh, uh, I know they're on holidays at the minute and the department and, and, and ministers and stuff, but no one can seem to answer where, where the remainder of, the, of the, the funding is because we have farmers waiting, the likes of roads and so on, for the new programme, within the new programme, and all, all, all that's after been released is the £308 million for for the afforestation. So that's only to, for, 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 for farmers uh, that's attending planting. But, well, like I said, we're looking for the, the, remain, the remainder of that and clarification around that. One thing I forgot to mention as well, I suppose, um, while we're talking about the forestry programme, I suppose the, the, the farmer premium rates is a big one for us as well. I mean, we have, an, we have us as farmers, it's a 20-year premium and the investor is 15, and it's the same rate. But what we, that should be much wider in, 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 from, from our point of view as farmers. It should be at least, uh, they should be 10 and we should be 20, I mean, or even the, the investor should be less. Because every euro you're giving to the farmers, it's it, it, it spent in the local economy, the local shop, the local hardware store. We can't have a scenario here where investment funds are coming into this country, they're like, they're like the Gresham House, and, 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 and buying up hectares of ground, and they're, they're, they're based in England. Or even, even, I don't know, did you hear that over the last week that Gresham House was after being sold to an American-based firm? So uh, this money is going to leave in the country. So, and we're not for either Queen to draw down the premiums, and that came out over the last few months as well. The Queen to have to draw down premiums now as well. What we're seeing here is farmers make targets before, treat us properly, and we'll meet them again. This money should be spent uh, on farmers planting trees, and we'll be spending that money in the, in, in the local economy, local, like I say, local shops, local schools. Keep our lives open for business, because if we're. If these investment funds are drawing down these premiums and buying land, buying hectares of land all over the country, the problem we have is that we're going to shut rural Ireland down because farmers, small, medium-sized farmers, won't be there anymore if we if 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 these investment funds are coming in. And we need to keep rural Ireland open for business. It would appear to some farmers that what's happening there is that the authorities want to deal with just one or two big people and instead of going through all the details of dealing with, with individual farmers who are quite willing to plant and in, in smaller things, felling licences when you have to thin forestry, we have to thin out your forestry you must get a felling licence farmers feel that's an extra burden, you have to wait maybe a year, best part of a year It's, 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 it's a very common sense report, approach we need here a farmer plants trees, it's like stone sown a seed of, 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 of straw, whatever the case may be. A farmer plants trees here that he, he needs, or he or she needs a roadway. They need a tinning licence. They need to manage their plantation. And then they need a careful... So uh, there's different sections when you go through, like when you plant, you, you, you need a licence to plant. And there should be one licence in the very start, straight through to the carefully. That We shouldn't have to be going back in for licence after licence after licence. And we're waiting the license of there is there was cases over the last couple of years, so including myself, where was we waiting up to four years for for a, for a, a tinning license, imagine, to manage our crop. And last year, the big problem we had is as farmers, it took eighteen months to turn around the license within the department. Right, the whole licensing system within the department needs to be to be reformed. And to be, and I suppose I don't want to be sounding negative about forestry, and we, we're poor forestry. We're supporting farmers to plant. We want farmers to plant. But we have to, we have to be treated properly. If they treat farmers properly, we will plant trees. And as I said already, give us one licence. Take away all the bureaucracy around it and give us, give us one licence in the start, straight through to the end. And I can guarantee you farmers will plant trees. But Jason, thank you very much, Mr Jason Fleming, IFA National Farm Forestry Chair. Thank you, Jason, very much. Thanks a million. Thank you.
Joining us on the farm programme, Senator Tim Lombard, Finnegan Shannon, spokesperson on agriculture, food, forestry, and the marine. Welcome, Tim, to the Farm Talk programme. Now, you believe the new planning bill must stop serial objectors delaying essential projects, and many of these essential projects are, in fact, agricultural projects vital for the specific rural communities they serve. So, what are your hopes of serial objectors being defeated in this uh, new bill? Yeah, I think it's a huge issue, John. And it's amazing since I made the press release at the start of the week, the amount of people have contacted me from all over Ireland. It's been phenomenal to through. I think this issue is underreported in so many ways. And the amount of people who have spoke to me about their own personal cases, like some Kilkenny, Tipperary, Donegal, Mayo, and the list goes on. And it comes down to a situation where you might be applying for um, an agricultural um, extension to your slurry storage, your farm, to your milk and powder, whatever it may be, and you could have an objector coming in, not alone from, not alone from, not even the parish, not even the county, but not even the actual province. In so many cases, and I think that is a huge issue. And I think what I've been calling for is that the new legislation regarding the um, planning act that we are to look at this issue and have a serious look at how we can balance the actual responsibility of the planning authority when it comes to these objections itself. Uh, we're all aware people have the right to object, but I just believe we need to be cautious and careful when we give that power to people that they literally for some kind of logic that they believe that an inappropriate farm development, whether it's cattle stores or wherever maybe that they're against it on that kind of ideological actual approach itself. I am deeply concerned that hopefully with the new planning act, we can actually get something into a minute. Now, how soon are we likely to see the impact of this new planning and development bill? Oh, yeah, this planning development has been discussed in the Rockets at the moment. It's gone from the, it's gone from the Dáil Chamber to the actual um, local government committee itself, and it's looking. It's going through something called pre-legislative scrutiny, which is basically going through the actual um, line by line the actual act itself. What I've been asking and talking about has been looking at two things regarding this new development act. One is where the actual objector is and how that objector could have a huge impact on a development. So in other words, that's the location of the of the person making objection submission should be taken into consideration. The other is costing. Literally for twenty euro you could have an issue that you could have a development slowed up for years. I spoke to one man in Tipperary today and he told me his story that um, an objection went into Tipperary County Council. Again, not even from Munster, from Leinster was the objection. And we had a scenario that it actually slowed up his development so much so that his TAMS grant itself is now under pressure. And I'm working with him with the department to kind of sort out that issue regarding his TAMS grant running out. So it has and it will have a huge economic effect on people that actually put something in place to reduce the capability for some and I believe the serial objectors I'm talking about they're in there literally four or five of them throughout Ireland but they're objecting clearly to literally small scale agricultural 
outlets for nothing more than a logic that they believe that they're inappropriate and a logic that they believe they're farming with some kind of environmental terrorism. Tim, in some cases, even in a locality where an important industrial development or a farm project might bring great benefits overall to the community, you have this long, long, old established trite uh, title, NIMBY, not in my backyard. And that could be an objector, a serial objector, right in his own area, his or her area, objecting to something which, on the face of it, should be given a chance, but no, they object not in my backyard. It's a long, long, old, tired old expression. Absolutely. And you see it in a weekly, if not daily basis, you know, where you have, unfortunately, evidence in favour of uh, renewable energy and all the issues pertaining to it, but probably not in my backyard, you know. And that is very unfortunate. And that is just a symptom of society itself. Um, and I just think we just need to be aware of implications of objecting. If you make a submission to your local authority, you take a forest report and all that, like you literally could slow up a development for three, for, for two to three years out of stage. And that's a huge issue for us. And I think, you know, farming has come under a microscope in so many ways regarding environmental issues. And they need to have more storage, they have more capacity. All these things need to be developed. But it's very hard for them to develop them if they're in a situation that's a potential like when we slow up to report an all process, which could literally take two or three years. So, like, there's, it's a bit of a catch-22. We all know farming needs to change. For that, they need to get the proper planning permissions to build what they're proposing to build so they can have more storage. But we have objectors who are literally objecting because they did, they believe passionately that there should be no actual um, agricultural um, of both mines in particular. I think anything regarding the, uh, the dairy or the beef industry is where we see the majority of these objectives at the moment. To come back to something which you and other TDs, MEPs and farmers have been concerned about, and we've spoken about it, the nitrates derogation, that nitrates derogation argument, our argument, is going to Brussels, I believe, in the next fortnight or so. Yes, I think it's a massive issue for us. I think the nitrate action plan where it is at the moment, the need for um, that information to be made available to the farming regarding what's going to happen, the changes that will happen between you now and next January, what it would be the stocking density, stocking rates and everything else pertaining to it. Like, um, we need to, and I've said this continuously, make sure that the European Commission comes to Ireland, that the European Commission are a part of the debate to see how we actually do our farming in Ireland itself. Totally different to the actual European model. Like in the world dynamic, we're looking at ourselves and New Zealand are the only ones that are grass-based. The majority of the rest of the farming is done on a, in, in, in-house in many ways in a kind of closed environment. So this is a big issue for us. It's a huge issue, but not only for the farming industry, but for the entire dairy industry itself. Like there's thousands of jobs pertaining to it. I came across a figure there a few weeks ago that I think sort of the dairy industry of Cork in 2021 was worth over €3 billion Euros to the economy. So it's really an important issue for us that we need to make sure that we actually get clarity on. And the clarity I'm looking for is that we actually keep our derogation. We take into consideration the information we got from the hearings of the EPA. In particular, it's the good work that's been done down in Timonique and the catchment below there. And like that's proven to be a success. And like we're not climate deniers by any means of imagination. If anything, we're just taking the information that we've got and actually looking at and making sure that the good farming practices that were taken on board below Tim Lee can now be rolled out countrywide. And that's where we need to go. Um, like, to me, this is the biggest issue in the dairy industry, potentially, since the quotas left. 
and it will have a huge knock-on implication if we have the derogation reduced, not only in land prices, but on milk volumes and everything else between the industry. In a fortnight or so, we'll know just how effectively we've been able to argue to retain our delegation. Thank you very much indeed, Senator Tim Lombard, the Finnegal spokesperson on agriculture, food and the marine. Tim, we've been talking there about um, stopping serial objectors and hopefully being successful with our appeal to be allowed to retain the derogation of 250 kgs. Thank you, Tim, very much indeed. Thanks a million. And that's the Dairy Gold Farm Talk programme for now. I'm John O'Connor. The programme researched, edited, produced and presented by myself, John O'Connor. The Farm Talk programme, Saturday mornings, 7am to 8am, and Wednesday evenings, 10pm to 11 Thanks for listening. Farm Talk on C103 with Dairy Gold. Choose Gold Performance Pack. Includes biotin, yeast and protected minerals to reduce lameness, boost milk solids and fertility.